You are listening to First Church Charlotte. Yes, he has. Yes, he has. Yes, he has. So let me tell you about the time I called the White House. <clears throat> Except psych. <laughs> I've never had that much nerve. I figure if I call the White House, pretty soon the IRS will call me or something. So I'm, I'm just... <laughs> Oh, it's so good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. So uh, I am talking to you for a little while tonight, and I am going to be very uh, conscious of your time, but I'm not going to worry about it. I'm just going to be conscious of it. And so Mark chapter number three, verse number 14. Let me also say real quick, I'm always uh, surprised with how many people who are unable to be here and watch the service on, uh, on online uh, sometimes are technology fails and we don't stream it. I don't know if we're streaming right now or not, but I am always thankful for all of those who join us. And it makes me feel special that you would take some time out and open the, not the word, you're not that spiritual, you open the internet. And so that's like half as good. So we're glad to have have everyone uh, who is able to make the journey through, through our busy city traffic. We're glad you're here. Mark 3, verse number 14. Let's see. I'm going to read this. Uh, let's let's uh, read it. Verse 14. And he ordained 12 that they should be with him. He ordained 12 that they should be with him. That they should, that he might send them forth to preach. Now notice the next verse. And to have power to heal sickness and cast out devils. He chose them to be with him. Do you see? That's the main reason. Also, that they might have power to heal the sick, cast out devils. Uh, I want to teach from this subject for a little while here tonight, Steadfast. And I want to talk about all of the elements of serving of serving God that are not necessarily dramatic. They're not necessarily exciting. Uh, there's no bands playing. There's no parades marching. You are simply being steadfast. And I want to say here at the outset that I am so thankful for people like you who know how to be steady and know how to walk day after day. And you don't always need a show. And you don't always need a back rub, although the idea sounds great. You just show up day after day. Before you're seated, fist bump your neighbor and say, thank you for being steadfast. So we are are all of us aware, serving the Lord, that... There is an element of spiritual life that is is truly beyond human comprehension. There there is an element to serving God that is almost almost difficult to describe with words. Uh, If you've served God for any length of time and you have pursued the realm of spiritual uh, effectiveness. Now, church people, we talk about spiritual warfare And although we know what we mean by that, a lot of times people who aren't 
churchified. Uh, they don't exactly know what we mean by that. So let me just try to make it really simple and practical. When you believe your prayer, your faith, your testimony can make a difference in a situation, you are engaged in a spiritual contest between that which is of the forces of the enemy and that which is of the opportunity of heaven. This is played out on this world we live in, and it's played out in lives that are the spiritual prize for which all of the heavens do battle. If God did not care about you, he just could write us all off and move on to whatever was next. But he cares about you not just a little bit. He cares about you enough to get involved in your life. And it's actually bigger than that. He cares about you enough to write you a 66-book love letter. And it's actually bigger than that. He cares about you enough to adopt your sin as his own and pay the price of your transgressions as if they were his. He cares about you enough to then, having assumed your sin, he pays in full the price of your sin. And having paid the debt to sin, he demonstrates victory over death, which is the spiritual consequence of sin. And then he gives you both his righteousness and his victory. That's what happens. He gives you his righteousness and his victory. So now, not only are you forgiven, but if that same spirit which raised up Christ from the dead dwell in you, that same spirit will quicken your mortal body. In other words, as the songwriter said, ain't no grave going to hold my body down. If that same spirit... He cares enough to get involved in your life. And evidently, hell and the power of the enemy, and we understand spiritual realms through faith. That's important for us to understand. And it's even helpful for us to acknowledge that when we talk to non-church people and unchurch people. uh, don't, Don't be afraid of recognizing the element of faith. We perceive the spiritual through faith, through the understanding of faith. And they are, in some cases, they... They, they can accept it easier uh, when you're not trying to say, look, I just came from the devil's office and he said he's got his eye on you. Uh, you understand it as the presentation of a spiritual world. You understand what I'm saying? And so through faith, what we, we try to perceive the realm of the spiritual. Now, there are things that we will never understand. Uh, the Apostle Paul tells about one. He doesn't claim it was himself, but it seems as though it was him. Uh, he said there was one who was so caught up in the spirit that, that he was caught up into a realm that it was unlawful for him to share what he had perceived in the spirit. What do you mean law? There is no law anywhere in the scripture. And this, this is actually an important New Testament principle. I don't know if I'll be able to do it justice right now. Um, but there's this principle. There's no law anywhere in the scripture that says once you have a certain amount of understanding, you can't tell anybody. There's no law anywhere in the scripture that says that. But Paul says it would have been unlawful for him to share. In other words, he perceived in himself that to discuss this would cause more confusion than it would clarity. 
to preach this would cause more uh, risk of error than it would invitation to understanding. And so he said, it's unlawful for me. This gives you an example of what it means to be led by the law of Christ, which is a law of love. The law of love is not a lawless life. It is not a life without restrictions. It is simply restrictions that make perfect sense because you would never hurt. You would never harm. You love. Keep preaching, Brother Nathan. That's, that's, that's better than they were responding there. So I, I want you to see, to, to live spiritually is not that you have no restraint in your life. It's that the motivation, your nature, your heart is in alignment with God. And so it is natural for you to keep law from proper motivation. And so Paul says, it's not even appropriate for me to to make you guys try to understand what I've seen. There's a realm of the spirit that we don't, we don't, we, we see through eyes of faith, we perceive. And yet this is the battleground, the spiritual battleground, whereby people who are the spiritual prizes, don't, don't, don't ever let the enemy tell you you have no value. If he says that to you, ask him why he has spent his whole eternity trying to make it about you if you don't matter. Why did you make your whole eternity about me if I don't matter? Because God says I matter. And so I'm going to live as though God has truth and you are the father of lies. I'm going to live as though my prayers matter. Oh, come on, somebody. I'm going to live as though I can make a difference. I'm going to live as though my prayer has weight in the throne room of heaven. I choose to live that way. Is it an expression of my faith? Absolutely, but that's a good thing. Because it's by faith that the very worlds were formed. And that's true spiritually also. And so here we see this reality, this, this, this God caring enough to get involved in your life. And with the disciples, I love this image of, of Mark chapter number three. I've preached uh, several messages from this passage. Uh, one of my uh, messages that I preached from this uh, passage which was on the loneliness of God, uh, where it says he chose them that they might be with him. Uh, there's almost a pathos here. There's almost a, an expression of the heart of God that he desires fellowship. This is not the first time this idea is expressed. You also will see this in the Garden of Eden, and I think that's the purest form of it. When you see the very point of creation was spiritual communion. Let me say that again, just in case you were maybe thinking about what you had to do tomorrow. The whole point of creation was spiritual communion and this ability for creation to be with creator as friends and as spiritual, um, almost spiritual lovers. I know that's a strange word for us to think because we romanticize that. Um, and, and that's not exactly uh, how it feels for us to pursue the presence of God. But God's not really uh, too uncomfortable uh, romanticizing it. The whole book of the Song of Solomon is about a romanticization, a romantic, ooh, there's, there's another syllable in there that I, I think if I get it, someone's going to be touched in the spirit here. It's, it's a whole romanticization. My wife's giving me the look. I have failed again. You hear the story about the man who got mad at his wife and took his friend and they went fishing for three days. And when he got home, his wife was super mad at him. How would you feel if I just left for three days and you didn't know where I was? He said, that'd be fine with me. 
well, that didn't go over so well. So uh, that first day he didn't see her, and that second day he didn't see her, and that third day he didn't see her. On the fourth day, the swelling went down on his eyes just enough. <laughs> this, this idea of, of, of the relationship of our love toward God, uh, biblically, it's, it's, they're not that uncomfortable. It's not as though God is uncomfortable showing it as a love story and almost as a, ro- a romance. But, but for myself uh, and for many of you, I know it may not exactly feel like it's, it's not flirtatious if, that's, if, if, you, would, if you could accept that. There, there, but there is, there's depth to it. And so it is that this, this love of God expressed in an original uh, symbol of Eden, of, of creation as uh, empowering divine communion. Well, if you want to talk about the gift of the Holy Spirit now and the opportunity you have to walk after his spirit, how you, you, and you do that by how you live your life. You do that by how you walk. You do that by how you create worship, not as something you do at church, but as a, a mode of being. You begin your day with thanksgiving. I was listening to an interview of uh, today, a uh, very successful Silicon Valley uh, founder, serial entrepreneur, has uh, done many, many startups. He's worth several hundred million dollars. And and in the interviewer, he talked about how uh, starting his day every day by writing down three things he's thankful for revolutionized his life. Here's a man who seems like won the competition. He's still benefiting. He's still benefiting from uh, attitude of thanksgiving in, in his life. How much more should we who have been washed in the blood of the Lamb? How much more should we practice thanksgiving as a mode of being? How much more should we practice worship as a mode of being? We should seek communication and communion with God in, in all of the empty spaces of our life. I don't have time to preach that. And so I'm trying to get to what I actually want to preach. And so Jesus chooses these, these individuals to be with them. It's almost as though it's, uh, it is uh, not just about power. Uh, I want you to hear me. It, it not just about uh, the dead being raised, although that is uh, fantastic. And who doesn't like, uh, you know, Jesus ruined every funeral he ever showed up at. Including his own. I'm all about someone demonstrating the power of God. But I want you to see that in this moment, it is almost as though the heart of God is revealed. And it is almost as though he is just wanting to be with you. The greatest opportunity of our lives is not what God does through us. It's the fact that God would want to be with us. The highest meaning of our life is not simply that, you know, we were in some way a recipient of honor Honor is honorable. <laughs> I know you can write that down and think about that later. <laughs> Honor is awesome, but that's not the high, that's not the good stuff. The good stuff is that the creator would want to actually spend time with you and would place within your heart a hunger to walk with him, a hunger to speak his name in the midst of your enemies and watch him prepare a table for you in the presence. Oh, man. I'm sorry I'm enjoying this more than you, but I'm hungry. I'm hungry, oh God, that you would love us, that you would open your heart to us, that you would make a way for us to approach you and not be separated from your Shekinah, but to be the very vessel in which the Shekinah is held and placed. Oh, 
how blessed we are, church. How blessed we are. Praise is not something you should have to work for. It should be part of your manner and mode of being. It should just flow out of us. And if it doesn't, it's because we have forgotten how much God has done for us. I want to I want to point out this 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 <coughs> this 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 reality here of over here you have the the testimony of the mighty of uh, healing the sick, raising the dead, and over here you have um, this rather kind of. Uh, seeming ordinary opportunity to spend time. Uh, but we would, we would emphasize the miraculous and the glorious because, you know, we're, we're limited. And so those things seem hard to us. And because they seem hard to us, they seem of higher value. But they're not hard to God. What's hard for God is for he's created to choose him over themselves. Exhibit A, the Garden of Eden. And even with his covenant people, they chose themselves over him. And they chose their purposes over his purposes. And I wish I could say that there's no temptation in the church age for us to turn inward and serve self in the name of God. But even today, one of the most difficult things, and I'm not mad at you, I love you. I just want you to see. The most difficult thing is keeping him at the center of my life. Oh, it's not hard for me to keep a religious label, but it's hard for me to keep him at the center of my life. It's not hard for me to be known as Nate the Preacher Man. My name's Nate, and I be the preacher man. That's not hard. But what's hard is for me to see everything that will come at me tomorrow that will turn me away from his presence. That's hard. So what is hard for us is easy for God because death must obey Oh, I don't think y'all are going to heal me. I'm worried you're not going to get this. I'm just going to have to preach an extra hour. Death must obey and sickness must go. God has no problem getting death and sickness to obey. It's us carnal, ignorant hides, as Brother Arnold likes to say, that he has a hard time getting to obey. Death has already been defeated. And death must obey. Death is not the... We're impressed by death because it's hard for us. God's not impressed by death. We're impressed by sickness because it's hard for us. It's not hard for God. But to find a people who will dedicate themselves to walking with him, God has let go of all the control on what you do with your life. Do you see how we will end up valuing the glorious and the miraculous, which is easy for God? And God will be looking for people who will set him first and spend their life at his feet, desiring his presence. And like David said, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. And God said, that, 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 that. Hey, everybody generations before, like that, I want you to see that. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than dwell among all this world and tents of wickedness and, and pillared, collimated palaces. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. And God says, that, 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 that. That's it right there. That's it. 
And we're like, man, I just want to rebuke the devil and drop kick some cancer. And David saying, oh, I was glad when they said unto me, let me go to the house of the Lord. David saying, as the deer longs for water, so my heart longs for you, O God. And all of heaven is like that, that, that. Hey, everybody, before, after that, when we get a church of people, we're going to do it like David did. I want him to get together and I want him to worship just like that. Oh, I'm just glad to be with you, oh God. I'm just hungry to stand in your presence. I don't need anything fancy. I don't have to be on the stage. I can just be a doorkeeper, oh God. And the Lord said, when we have a church, we're going to do it like that, that, right there. I'm, I want to be with you, Lord Jesus. Tell him that right now. I want to be with you, Lord Jesus. And so our, the ordinariness of our, our walk with God, uh, it feels a lot like simple steadfastness. It feels a lot like I've made up my mind, I'm going to walk with the Lord. Uh, the truth is that most of our, most of our Christian uh, journey is not on mountaintops, so to speak. The truth is uh, most of it's not really in the valley either. Um, it seems as though there is, there is kind of a middle place between the high and a middle place between the low. And some people, one of the phrases you'll hear a lot in church uh, is, I feel like I'm on a spiritual plateau. You ever, you ever catch yourself saying that? Where you're not, you're not backsliding. You're not like, you know, falling in with cigarettes, whiskey, and wild, wild women. Uh, but, but, you know, you're not, you're not really running the aisles. And you're, not, you're not really, you know, doing a two-step and wearing your tap dance shoes to church. That would be kind of cool, though, if we could get some tap dance shoes in church. We've already got the stage for it. Where's Nathan at? We need to get him. Can't y'all see Nathan when he get him some tap dance shoes up here? When he does that spin around thing? Woo! Be like. Anyway, moving along in a spiritual manner. Thankfully, he slipped out, so he didn't hear all that. I want you to see. I want you to see how most of our life is kind of in this middle zone. And it feels a lot like faithfulness. Can I have a big amen? amen. It feels a lot like steadfastness. I, I want you to see here that, that, that this middle area of steadfastness is uh, part of God's plan in our life. It, it's not an accident. Uh, most of our journey is in these middle areas, neither the heights nor the depths. But these middle areas of our life, believe it or not, give us a chance to catch up spiritually to what he has been doing. Uh, if he was always so far beyond us, we might despair and wonder if we ever could comprehend what the Lord was doing. Uh, but these middle zones give us a chance to pursue understanding, and we need understanding uh, because it's directly related to our strength. We will never have all understanding, but some understanding is very beneficial to us. It gives us time to learn. It gives us time to share. Uh, these middle zones of our life that are lived out simply as steadfastness, uh, faithfulness, they allow us to find a, a rhythm uh, of, of our life, a rhythm of growth. Most of our, our walk with God is, is quite ordinary. Uh, most of life is kind of the same old stuff uh, day after day. That's not all bad. Um, uh, excitement, excitement can be its own curse. Like, like the Chinese uh, curse reads, may you dwell in interesting times. Uh, these times are just a little bit too interesting for me. <laughs> 
these middle zones of our life, these plateaus, these these quiet seasons of our life, they teach us the importance of perseverance. Why, why does that matter? Because your perseverance, your perseverance, your perseverance becomes your testimony. Uh, what do I mean by that? This is, this is subtle, but I think it's very important. Um, I know people who don't serve God who have great miracle stories. I have family members on my wife's side. <laughs> my side's all saved, sanctified, going to heaven, living white, spitting white. That's all I got to say about that. Old timers used to preach against snuff, and so they'd call it spitting white. That means you wasn't using snuff. See, I'm I'm dating myself. Sorry, sorry. Uh, but I, I know people. They have tremendous miracle stories. They just can't serve God. I don't mean that condescendingly, although it did sound, come off really condescendingly. Sorry. Um, your testimony only ultimately is not the miracle story. It's showing up in the middle years. It's steadfastness. It's being there on the day of Pentecost. Oh, praise God, somebody. 500 saw him resurrected, but 120 stayed until the power fell. What happened to the other 380? They had a miracle story, but unfortunately, they didn't have a story of showing up. Steadfast, unmovable, faithful. I want to say to all my parents here, and I don't want to beat you up on this because I know how easy it is to get busy. I know how easy it is to... One of the greatest gifts you can give your children is faithful church attendance. I'm, telling, I'm, I'm not even trying to be like judgmental or judgy or any of that. I'm just saying you can't say you deeply value something that you just get to when it works out. That's just not how it works. That's like saying we're vegans unless they serve bacon. <laughs> and then bacon for the ruin. You know, it's just, it just doesn't work. I mean, um, uh, it's flaky. And then you give a gift of flakiness to your kids. And, don't, and I promise you they're going to inherit your habits. Hopefully not all of them. Um, but I, I want you to see, uh, I know how it can be a strain. And I know we get busy. And I, you know, I travel too. I get it. I understand. But um, th- those of you who, when, when you, you make that effort and you strive, uh, that's a gift to your children. That, that, that's steadfastness. You don't need a special speaker to show up. You see what I'm saying? You don't, need, uh, you don't need the dead to be raised. You show up to be with him. So much of our walk with God is in this steadfastness, this, this faithfulness and, and, and the like. And, and the third thing, and this is, this is something that uh, perhaps us Pentecostals don't talk about much um, because we, we love, we're, uh, we, we believe that it's impossible. As Pentecostals, it's impossible. We believe it's pretty much impossible to separate your emotional experience from uh, your faith, your religion, uh, your worship. Um, and so we, we are very comfortable being emotional. Most spirit-filled churches are. Um, but I just want to say that there is a danger uh, of having a primary ex- uh, primarily ex- experience-oriented Christianity that's not, not founded in Scripture, that is not settled, uh, that it, you, you can't really defend, you just enjoy. Um, that is, is, is a great beginning place, but you need to find uh, the gift of steadfastness in your life. You need to find the gift of faithfulness in your life. 
life. You don't want to simply be an adrenaline junkie and if they sing your song, then you're glad to be there. You want to demonstrate steadfastness because when God chooses people, it's not just for the dead to be raised. It's not just for the sick to be healed. It's so they're going to show up and he might be with them. I want you to see that God is going to show up every day of your life. If you will just make room for him, he's going to show up. And this is how over time we are changed. We are, we're, we're not so much changed by the dramatic. We have the, the dra- drama in our life is a testimony. The exciting is a testimony. Even the gift of tongues is a, it's a sign. It is the testimony of God's presence upon us that we then embrace to ourselves as sure knowledge that God is with us. Tongues is the sign of the Holy Ghost. It's not the Holy Ghost. It is the sign of the Holy Ghost. Why does this matter? Because it becomes a confidence gift in your life. The disciples, they walk out of their having their own personal experience and they stand with confidence and strength. But you're not finished with the Holy Ghost after you talk in tongues, honey. You just showed up. You see what I'm saying? Now, now the change that happens is not the gift of the dramatic. It is the steadfastness. And I want to show you this in the scripture real quick. I'm going to try to be done here in maybe an hour or so. Let me, let me try to sort this out. So, so uh, Paul says, makes this statement in Romans chapter number 8, uh, verse 29. He says this, that we are predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Now, uh, I know that it's easy to take predestination so far that there's no free will. You're just pretty much, uh, you know, an automaton and you're programmed. But once you understand that the church is predestined and then we decide whether or not we will be a part of the church, this whole issue of predestination settles out. Um, if the individual is predestined, predestined, then why would a sinner be judged for doing that which he was or she was predestined to do? It's like you you're a born loser. Now I'm going to punish you for doing what you were born to do. It doesn't hold together. It, it it's full of it's full of of, of, of flaws. Uh, the church, however, is predestined. God's going to have a people, and if it hair lips the devil, you and I should be a part of that people. Amen. Can I have a better amen than that? Amen. And so the church is predestined, but we we are as a part of that church, as a part of divine transformation in our life. Uh, we are conformed to the image. Of his, we are becoming through time, through the working of the Spirit, through the renewing of our mind, through the ingesting of the Word of God, we are becoming more like Jesus Christ. This is what it means to grow spiritually. We are all on the same page. We're becoming more like Jesus. All right, now let me read uh, 2 Corinthians chapter number 3 and verse number 18. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of God, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. We struggle to see glory in the ordinary Christian growth of our life. We, we, we struggle with that. What do you mean glory to glory? Surely, Paul, you are talking about a, a, a big-time conference where they have the best music and all the best preachers, and we just go there, and nobody has to go to work, and we just have a wonderful time, and, and we died and gone to heaven. Well, at least at least can't meet in any way, and, um, and that's got to be what. What's this glory to glory? I, I would suggest to you that there is more happening in the ordinary 
ordinariness of your spiritual growth than simply you showing up for church. I would suggest to you, you and I are not very good at knowing how much glory there is in the simple faithfulness of not giving up. And the enemy wants to tell you that you should be ashamed of yourself and you should quit. But I want, to, I want you to know there is a glory in simply being steadfast. And there is a spiritual majesty in simply overcoming day after day after day. Because what are you doing in that, that ordinary day? And I'm almost done. Musicians, you can come. The ordinariness of your life where you're simply being steadfast. Nothing glorious. Nothing majestic. You're simply being faithful. Uh, You're simply just kind of walking on. And to you, it's just another day. I, I I would suggest to you, there's more happening there spiritually than you can perceive. What seems dreary to us can have a glory in the spiritual realm that we do not see. In the same manner that what we are impressed by is not necessarily what God is impressed by. In other words, we're impressed by the heal, the, the healing of a sickness or the raising of the dead. All of those things obey the commandment of the Lord. God is impressed when you fight against your nature, you repent of your sins, you renew your mind, you vote with your feet, you show up on Wednesday night and you say, I'm far from perfect, but I'm in the house. They turn the lights out on me. The preacher's done, and we should all go home. All right, I can take a hint. Truthfully, as we progress spiritually, you're always going to wonder whether you're the butterfly or the caterpillar. Where am I at in spiritual growth? Am I mostly butterfly or mostly caterpillar? Um, I've got a word from the Lord for you. You're you're mostly caterpillar. Um, But God's not done with you. Uh, And in the meantime, don't look down your spiritual nose at the daily becoming of walking with him. Celebrate steadfastness. Because although you may see it as simply showing up in the realm of the heavenly That's what God moved heaven and earth to accomplish. You showing up. Oh, oh man, I, I just, man, if I could preach good, that, I, there'd be people swinging off these trusses right here if I could just preach good. To you and I, it just seems like another day in the garden. You understand what I'm saying? But that is what God moved heaven and earth to create. And not just once, he did it twice. The first time, he created a whole world. He breathed the breath of life into dirt and made it a living soul. Why? So they could show up and walk together. Do you see? And then women ruined all that. We had a good thing going. Women ate us out of house and home. Sin, sin, uh, sin separated us from God. So what did God do? He just wrote it all off. 
because he wanted to show that he was powerful. Honey, he knew he was powerful. If you can create, you can heal. What was he looking for? He wanted to raise the dead. Whenever he wanted to raise the dead, he could raise the dead. What we want's not necessarily what he's been looking for. We want the miraculous to prove we're powerful. God knows he's powerful. He doesn't have an insecurity problem. But if you would show up and you would just say, oh, it's another good day, Lord Jesus. I want to take a little walk through the garden of our life here that we have created together. Let's just talk about spiritual communion is what God's looking for. He chose the 12 that they might be with him. Oh, and by the way, we might raise some dead and heal some sick. So I am not trying to uh, denigrate the miraculous. Don't get me wrong. We want the manifestation of heaven in our midst. We want that. Um, But we want it as the testimony of God, not the demonstration of us. We want it as the testimony of God. And so, man, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. And so I I, I want you to see, I want you to see just how much God wants you to show up and just how much he wants to be with you. That's why this whole thing happened from Eden to Calvary. And it's not done. There's one more because three times is the charm. (laughs) There's one more. A day is going to come when this mortal being is going to be transformed into an immortal being. And then we're no longer going to see him through faith. Right now, true love hides behind faith. But a day is going to come where we are going to be as the bridegroom and the bride joined together for the purpose for which it all started. And you know what that's going to be about? Showing up. It's going to be time together. It's going to be spiritual unity. Don't low rate the middle zones of your life. Do not begrudge the plateaus of your life. Show up with a smile and say, if all I ever am as a doorkeeper around here, I'm just so stinking glad to be here. I can't hardly describe how happy I am to be included around here. It might be awesome. It might be boring. You know, Brother Nathan's hit or miss. You never know. It might, but I'm so glad to be here. Let's all stand. Would you lift your hands all across the house and say, Lord, forgive me for every time I've been impatient with the, the, the simple. Forgive me for every time I've been impatient with simply spending time with you. Lord, I want to live the expression of divine love. I want my life to be unified with you and in in the fulfillment that was purchased at Calvary and the veil that was separated that I might come into your presence and that you you might inhabit the the, the vessel of my heart. Lord Jesus, we want to walk with you. We want to be your people. We want to make a difference, not simply through the dramatic. We're thankful for that and we long for that as the testimony of God. But Lord Jesus, we are yours and you are mine and we want to walk with you. We want to be yours. We want to stand in covenant, stand in spiritual surety, stand in spiritual renewal with you. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Oh, let's praise him right now. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Amen, amen. Maybe you should remind yourself every day this week, God did all this for you. And the whole point of it was 
I will be with you. I will be yours. You will be mine. The whole point of it is spiritual communion. So let's walk with them. Yes. Let's walk with them. Yes. Let's wake up with thanksgiving. Yes. Let's speak the goodness of God. Yes. Let's celebrate the promises of God. Yes. I'll say yes, Lord. Amen. 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 God bless you all. We love you. Have a great, a great evening. Uh, have a, a great week. We will see you. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four stars. By doing so, you will help others find it and also bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times and church ministries, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come, worship with us.